Hey everyone, welcome back. It's just Dan for a quick solo pod today, but we have got some extraordinary news. Kyrie Irving has been traded. This is an emergency pod. We need to break it down from all angles, and that's what I'm going to do today. So, the winning offer has come from the Mavs by sending Dorian Finney-Smith, Dinwiddie, a first-round pick, and two second-round picks. That was enough to get Kyrie. Now, we'll break it down in a bit, whether this is actually the best offer that the Nets could have selected. It's been interesting because Shams has also said that the Lakers offered Westbrook and one of their coveted first-round picks, either 27 or 29. I'm not aware that they actually offered both the picks, but it sounds like one of those plus Westbrook was offered, which is interesting. The Westbrook and Durant reunion would have been very interesting, but that obviously didn't happen. The Suns allegedly offered Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and a first-round pick. There were some rumblings today that if they'd added a couple more picks into that, it would have been enough to get the job done. I don't know if that trade did officially get offered, but Chris Paul swap for Kyrie plus a pick is kind of fun. We'll talk about that in a minute. Clippers allegedly offered... Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, a first-round pick, and a couple of pick swaps. Now, there's no way that was ever going to be enough. Kennard or Terrence Mann just isn't going to cut it. Look, I don't mind those two guys as players, but they are real role players. Neither of them are going to step into a substantial role or possibly even be starters on contending teams like a Finney Smith or Dinwiddie could be. Now, before we get into which one of those trades I would have liked to have seen done, let's not forget that Kyrie is 30 years old, and at the end of this season, he's an unrestricted free agent. It feels like he's been around longer than that. Like, he is only 30, but this is essentially a four-month rental. So, you really don't want to give up too much to get him. Obviously, he's super volatile, unreliable, and not the guy you would want to rely on in any big moment. But it really is just a four-month rental. He is an all-star. We know offensively he can be wicked when he's switched on. He's getting about 27 points a game or something this year. Is it possibly asked for another trade before the end of the deadline? I mean, he's got, what, three or four days left? He could get another trade in here, surely. Now, the funny thing is I was flicking through his contract just before I jumped on here. He has about a $1.9 million trade kicker. So he is actually going to get paid an extra million or just under $2 million for this trade. Unbelievable work from him. You've got to respect that. So if you were running the Nets, out of those offers I suggested, either Lakers, Suns, or Clippers, which one would you take? Well, it really comes down to what the Nets want to do with Durant. Like, are they still planning on keeping him, or are they also going to be selling on him quickly now? Chances are, I think they keep him till at least the end of the season, right? They can't get a deal done in the next couple of days for him and get peak turnover for that, you wouldn't have thought. So if they are planning on keeping him, they're probably less interested in the picks at this stage. They want some reliable players to come into that starting lineup and replace Kyrie. Now, that's probably Finney Smith and Dinwiddie. I think both of those guys could start there. Finney Smith particularly interesting as a really good 3 and D guy. Not a lot else he can offer on offense, but Dinwiddie can certainly pick up a chunk of that scoring load that Kyrie will take away with him. Of course, those 27 points a game are very substantial, but Dinwiddie's not a bad starting point guard. He's worked well as a second option in Dallas or third option behind Christian Wood, depending on how you want to call it. 
So if they wanted to get good players in, it's interesting this Suns trade, isn't it? Like Chris Paul, he is still not a bad player, but it's the age and the inconsistency of how many games he can actually play. This season, 34 games played for him and 14 points, eight and a half assists. He's approaching 38 years old. Now, my partner is almost 37 years old, and she cops a lot of shit for being substantially older than me. So Chris Paul's older than that. Let that sink in. I mean, geez, 38 years old. He's six foot one, and he's on 30 million this year. million guaranteed next year on his deal. And if he doesn't get waived and they would pick that up, then that turns into 30 million. Similar thing happens the following year in the 24-25 season. There's nothing guaranteed there. And if he's not waived, then that jumps to 30 million. So there's still a lot of money on the board with Chris Paul. So you'd be taking a huge gamble that Chris Paul is going to perform for the remaining few months of this season and into the playoffs. And I think he's shown that he's just not reliable now with his health to get through three or four playoff series. And the last of those sort of trade packages I think that's worth considering is that Lakers one. Westbrook and Durant, I mean, that's not going to happen again. So the Lakers picks are tempting, but if they're going to keep Durant, they don't want to pair him with Westbrook. We've seen how this worked and it wasn't fantastic. Durant got out of there in OKC. So I just, I couldn't see him being cool with bringing Westbrook back in. So what does this do to the Dallas starting lineup? They've lost their best perimeter defender in Finney Smith. That is a huge loss because they were already a poor defensive team. Offensively, you've got Luca, and he is similar to Trey Young in the sense that if you just put him on the court with four guys, you're going to have a pretty good offense. It's the defensive end that is the concern. So who could fill in for that? When you look at some of the projected starting lineups online today, they've got Tim Hardaway Jr. sliding to the three. So you'd be starting Kyrie, Luca, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Now, how on earth would that work? I mean, who's going to defend anyone there? Teams are just going to light you up. So I would assume Reggie Bullock is going to get the start now. This season, he's playing 30 minutes a game, substantially off the bench, but big numbers in terms of minutes played. He's only averaging six points a game. And shooting 36% from three. So if you're trying to up his role on the offensive end, geez, he doesn't bring you much aside from some three-point shooting, and that has taken a bit of a dip. So looking back at it, last year in the playoffs, in three series, he played against Utah, Phoenix, and then the loss to Golden State, of course. He averaged 10.5 points a game at about 40% shooting. So that's substantially increased compared to what he's doing this year. So maybe the Mavs feel confident that if he's coming into a starting role, perhaps he can increase his efficiency somewhat playing off those two guys. It's a hell of a risk, but I think you've got to have a bit of a stopper on the perimeter. You can't have Tim Hardaway Jr. filling in there. That's That just ain't going to get it done. Then, of course, Christian Wood will be starting at the four. That's, again, another very heavily skewed offensive player and then a big like a Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber. So defensively, this trade, I think, has really hurt them and their versatility, but you get in the star or 
I guess, what do you call him? I mean, he's a star player, but geez, he's unreliable in Kyrie. So how are they going to play off each other? We'll have a look at that in a second because that is huge and that's what it really comes down to. At the end of the day, this is Mark Cuban like going for a knockout punch, I think. You know, it's not a huge risk. You've given up two role players. Yes, they're handy players and you don't want to lose them, but... They're role players. You can always find these guys. Remember, they lost Brunson last year in what was a disaster when he left for New York. They should have re-signed him. They absolutely would regret that. But these guys are role players. You know, when Brunson left, they were able to replace a lot of what he did with Dinwiddie. And I think if you lose Dinwiddie, you can find guys like that on the market. They're available. Now, they may not be available for the next few months, but in the off-season, if things don't work out with Kyrie and he walks in the off-season and you've essentially lost him for nothing, I think you can replace what Dinwiddie... Finney Smith is a bit harder to replace, but I think you can replace them with other people in the league. And then on top of that, he just gave one first-round pick, you know, and a couple of second-round picks. I don't know. It's not that much to give up, really. Now, the question is... How does Kyrie and Luca fit together? That's what everybody wants to know. Everybody has their opinions. So let's look at the good and the bad. Let's start with the good. I mean, this will be the most dynamic backcourt in basketball. These guys can create off the dribble. They can hit step back threes, pull up threes, get to the ring, finish with either hand. It will be a hell of a viewing experience and I cannot wait. Kyrie's off-ball shooting is dynamic. We've seen him play off Harden for maybe six or seven games, (laughs) but we have seen Harden take on that pure point guard role and Kyrie slide to that scoring two guard role. He'll be in a similar position here playing off Luka. Luka is still going to dominate the ball and he should because he's one of the best players in the league, but Kyrie can play off the ball. He also did it with LeBron in the Cavs when they won a championship. And his three-point shooting, 39% on his career, it's fantastic. And he is such a dynamic shooter. He will be a huge upgrade over Dinwiddie in terms of the minutes that he can provide when Luca's on the bench. Like, they have a genuine guy now who can run the offense. And I think that also falls into giving Luca a little bit more rest. He can take some possessions off on offense and just hand the ball to Kyrie and say, look, you create two or three plays here while I catch my breath. Does that help Luca on defense? Theoretically, it should, but I don't think Luca gives two shits about playing defense. So I don't think his, I guess, draining energy on offense is what the issue is with him on defense. I think it's just a lack of effort. These two, another positive, is so much shot creation. If you're going to double-team Luca now and you've got Kyrie open, he's going to drain threes. And it could mean a four-on-five situation if you're doubling Luca with the ball in Kyrie's hands. Now, that is trouble for the opposing teams. Well, I know what you're thinking. What's the bad then? You've just raved about how good these two would be together. What on earth could possibly go wrong? Well, the bad is it could be a four-month rental. Like this, you could have literally lost two reliable role players, a first-round pick and two second-round picks for a guy in Kyrie who may only play a handful of games for the rest of this season if something ridiculous happens, and then he cheeses it at the end of the year. That is highly possible. They could get kicked out in the first round, and Kyrie could be gone before you know it. 
They also have two guys who play better with the ball in their hand. Kyrie and Luca are shot creators for themselves and for others. There's only one ball. So Luca's going to demand, obviously, a huge chunk of offensive possessions. So what does Kyrie do in those possessions if he's not spotting up? Does he start to crack the shits if he's getting less touches and less shots than he was in Brooklyn? That's a possibility. The volatility of Kyrie, I don't even think we need to get into that. I mean, the anti-Semitic post, the flat earth theory, the anti-vax, I mean, literally anything this guy can cling to, he will do, and he is willing to sacrifice the team's success, his own success, and anyone else involved in order to stand up for what he thinks is right. And maybe even a bigger problem than that is the defense. Like we said earlier, who the hell is going to defend opposing guards when you've got Kyrie and Luca as your backcourt? Absolutely massive issue. I do not have the answers for that. They certainly will need to try and get in another defensive guard. I don't know how they're going to do that. It would have been interesting, actually, I think, to have seen Royce O'Neal somehow come over in this trade as well. I think he could have been a crucial kind of sixth man slash starter over Reggie Bullock, and then Bullock could come off the bench as a little bit of a 3 and D guy. But obviously the Nets were not willing to chuck him in, and I don't blame them for that, since they did give up a first-round pick to get him in the offseason anyway. So... At the end of the day, Kyrie, completely unreliable, no shit. And where the hell is their perimeter defense going to be? In terms of the Nets, what happens now? So they've got rid of Kyrie. I think that's a positive. They've still got Simmons. I mean, what on earth is happening there? It looks like the issues have not resolved with him and wanting to play basketball. That's a huge, huge problem. They can't flip him. Nobody wants him. You've got to try and get him back on the court somehow. He seems like that kind of guy that you can't force to play because he just doesn't want to. I mean, gee, it's so, so tough. I mean, the Nets now can put forward a really good defensive lineup. You could have that foundation with Simmons, if he plays, KD, Claxton, and Finney Smith. I mean, that is a pretty dynamic defensive lineup. Granted, it's not going to score you a lot of buckets, and if they do, it's all coming from Durant. But the defense in their lineup could be good. If they want to move off Durant, if they can somehow do it, his value would be sky high now. I mean, he's having an MVP caliber season pre-injury, 30 points a game. He's been absolutely incredible. Teams like Toronto, you would assume, are interested again. Miami would be interested. There's no way they could put forward an offer good enough. Could Phoenix, could they offer Aiton a heap of picks and try and get him in with Chris Paul and Devin Booker? There's some rumors that they would be interested. I would love to see that. I think a pairing of KD and Booker, they'd probably lose Bridges, but Booker and KD, man, that would be dynamic, especially if you had some Chris Paul still available, still able to give you some juice for a couple of months. But like I said earlier, I don't see them getting rid of KD now. I think he stays and they try and convince him for a rebuild here and they look to gain him some help in the offseason. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hit me up on socials. Either send me a message on Instagram or TikTok. I check them regularly. So if you've got any feedback, if you think I've got this wrong, if you think one team has particularly won the trade more than the other, let me know. Jump on there. I'd love to get some feedback and thank you all for listening. Hearing me twice in two days is probably too much for anyone. So 
whoever's done that, full credit to you. <laughs> we'll see you next week.